everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the Woody Banter Book Club Podcast. I am Maddie, here with... We're happy to see you, and today we are going to be reviewing Things We Never Got Over by Lucy Score. This book was amazing. I'm not afraid to say it. I thought that this was an excellent book, and I loved every second of reading this book. It was so. so good. Like, I... It was really, when I say it's an emotional roller coaster, I don't mean like back and forth. Like I experienced the full spectrum. Like I laughed, I cried, I felt angry, I felt happy. It was incredible. It's a really good book. It's a little thick. It took me a little bit longer than some of the others that we've done on here, but it was well worth the time it took to blow through this bad boy. Yes, this book is roughly the same size as Harry Potter and... The Goblet of Fire. So, very specific. It's a pretty thick book. Well, they're, they, like, get progressively longer. Mm. Although, if you can see right there, that one is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, and that book is, like, 900-something pages. Oh, so. God. That's long. It's 900-something pages of amazingness, mm. though. So... I'm a big Harry Potter girl. Anyway, <laughs> so this week, Courtney is tasked with doing the summary of the book. So, Courtney, tell us, what is Things We Never Got Over okay, about? Okay, so Things We Never Got Over, it's about this main character, Naomi. I believe she's in her 30s, um, and she has just fled the scene of her own wedding. Um, and I, she literally, the book starts off, she's in her wedding dress, like, she's out of there man uh and her terrible awful evil twin sister tina has called her in uh she said she's in need of help and the good person that naomi is she's like i'm on my way uh and tina's been like this her whole life so that's kind of part of the dynamic of the book but so naomi shows up to save tina yet again and instead of finding her sister she finds a niece she never knew she had an 11 year old niece uh, and she ends up in this kind of like podunk town, very different from the life that she was living. She meets uh, this man named Knox, who she describes throughout the book as a sexy Viking, which I think is very fitting for his personality. Uh, and he won the lottery. So he's kind of, uh, he's got some money going around, but he's also a self-made man. He's got some businesses in town. He's a little rough around the edges, but the book is about her coming to terms with obviously the end of the relationship she was in because she was going to get married, uh, now being responsible for an 11-year-old child who has not had the best role models. Uh, she's also dealing with this conflict with her sister, obviously. Her sister kind of skipped town, so there's some drama surrounding that. And of course, she's dealing with all of the tension between her and this big giant sexy viking man who's also a barber uh don't know how you can make that hot but she did it <laughs> so the whole story is about her kind of uh coming to terms with a lot of massive life changes all at once and falling in love with her niece and her new man Yes. It is also written in a dual perspective. So it switches between the chapters between being, you know, from Naomi's perspective and also from Knox's mm -hmm. perspective, which is rarely done in a way that I like, but I did really like it in this book. I thought yeah. that that was really interesting. I loved it in this book. And I like, there's been a few other ones 
Uh, I read through the L. Kennedy hockey romance series. Maddie loves to give me a hard time for that because I loved those books. Um, But those had a lot of dual POVs. I loved those. This is very reminiscent of those dual POVs if you've read those books before. Um, But yeah, it was just excellent. And the the timing with the switch-offs between the two perspectives was really well done. Uh, she just did a really good job with the, the whole dual POV. So there are a couple of different tropes that are prominent in this book. There is grumpy sunshine. There is enemies to lovers, kind of. And there is also fake dating, which are three tropes that I enjoy. Mm, me too. Uh, yeah, this is like the epitome of a good grumpy sunshine, like... She's literally described by Knox's appearing of, as like a Disney princess, and he's like tattooed biker type guy. Uh, so good, um, but yeah, this is like my one of my favorite Grumpy Sunshine books that I've read so far. It's definitely in that category. Yeah, and I say it's enemies to lovers because they do not start out like like liking each other very much um but most of that is just part of the grumpy sunshine element of the story which is like the main trope in the the book well in fake dating is also very important in Mm -hmm. this book um but there's definitely a little bit of um them thinking that the other person really does not like them so and i love that and a side note on fake dating i love it in books but I'm just like, how how many times in real life do you think this actually happens? Like, it's very prevalent. It's a very prevalent trope. And obviously, a lot of things are dramatized. But, like, I don't know. <laughs> we'll get into that on the realism aspect. Yeah, I, I can't think of any instances in my life where I'm like, I'm going to pretend, I'm going to ask this person that I'm friends with to pretend to be my boyfriend. I've never no. once had that thought. <laughs> I've had them pretend to be like my siblings, yeah. but that's it. There is This is a little off topic, but one time um, my friend Sean and I were at the mall and we were walking around. We had just like gone somewhere and this lady stops us and she's like, oh, do you guys want like this, me to do your hair or something? And I was like, no, thanks. I'm good. And she's like, well, don't you want to look good for your date? And I'm like, this is my brother. <laughs> and Sean goes without hesitation. That's never stopped us before. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like. I cannot believe you just said that. What is wrong with you? That was, yeah, that's a little off topic, but just a little snippet about um, who my <laughs> friends are. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now that we're, sorry, one little story while we're off topic. When Maddie and I were in high school, she dated uh, one of our mutual friends that I had known for a really long time. And instead of, like, just breaking up with him and telling him she didn't like him, she was like, I'm gay. <laughs> I didn't, he was so nice, and I didn't want to, like, hurt his feelings. To be fair, like, he, like, obviously, like, I'm not gay, and so he was, like, very hurt by that, and so I let another one of our friends punch me in the face, (laughs) like, for him, in order to get him to, like, forgive me. I don't know if it worked. If you're watching this, which you're probably not, but if you are on the off chance watching this, I'm still haunted by that, so. So no fake dating, but, like... Sorry. Yeah. Fake brothers being fake gay. It's fine. (laughs) Anyways. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Any situation to get out of being with a man, that's fine. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> so the next category is would we recommend this to a fellow reader? The answer is Yes, I would recommend. However, I would recommend it accordingly. There are definitely some parts of this book that I would not want anybody else to know that I read. <laughs> um, but I think that overall, if one of my friends was like, hey, what's a good romance book? I would suggest this. This would actually probably be one of the first books I would suggest to most people. So to most people, but we'll get into that. Um, Courtney, what do you, what do you uh, think? Yes, I would scream it from the rooftops. I love this book. It's so good. It's smutty, obviously, but it's very wholesome. It was just a really good feel-good story. It made me feel very deeply while I was reading it, and I think that's really powerful. A lot of the people who ask me for book recommendations are already kind of on their way down the romance path. So generally I would say, yeah, I'm probably going to recommend this. Even to people who are just kind of starting out, this is a great introductory one. There is smut in it, but it's not like every other page. Uh, so I don't feel like it's crazy or like really overwhelming. But yeah, I would absolutely recommend this to just about anybody who asked me. Just about. That leads us to the next one, which is, would we recommend this to our younger sisters? Absolutely no. <laughs> not. If my sister, in fact, if my sister, she's 16, by the way, if she was like, hey, I just got this book, I'm going to read it, I would immediately call my dad and say, my sister is reading something that I don't think she should be reading, and you should take that book away from her. Also, these are the pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just so that he knows that I'm not, like, being dramatic, that this is... This is a very spicy book. There is a lot of description. Um, and it is something that I would definitely not tell my sisters to read because of that. It is graphic. And it is a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> Courtney, what do you say? Your sisters are religious and... Yeah. Um... <laughs> uh, this is a no for me. I mean... My sister, one of my sisters is 17. She's in high school. She's not getting her hands on this. Uh, and I, my mom watches our podcasts, so she can kind of keep track of what books my sisters should not be reading. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I also have an 18-year-old sister. She's kind of delved into romance. We don't talk about the books that we read because I just don't want to know. Um, so she... If I saw it on her shelf, I would just kind of mind my own business. Um, but yeah, this book's it, there's parts of it that are really raunchy, and I just don't feel good recommending that to my 18 year old sister. She's six years younger than me. She's still a baby in my head, so I'm like, mm, no. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it's a little raunchy. I would I would also not recommend it to like my boyfriend's <laughs> mom, who told me that she told me the other day she likes romance books, and I was like, okay. I don't know of any, I don't know any good ones. Yeah. So like YA. <laughs> I've never read that in my life. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, read um, Small Town Monsters. It's like this YA book. It's <laughs> oh, very tame. I don't, I don't, I don't even think they kiss in the book. Like it's very tame. Uh. Um, but yeah, so uh, listen, my family is very sex positive and it is something that like my family is like pretty like proud of um being so accepting and everything uh when it comes to stuff like that my parents had me very young so it's been very openly talked about in our family that being said i still would not even recommend this book to my sisters i would just be like don't even read it you're too young 
you cannot be corrupted. But I mean, they're teenagers, so they've been corrupted already. Yeah. It's just like there's a certain level of comfortableness with what you're willing to like allow your underage siblings to do. And even in your house, like that, yeah, it's just a little too much, you know? She's still too young. Mm -hmm. Um, Both of your sisters Mm -hmm. are. But, and if you read this book in public, honestly, good for you. There's no way that I could read this in public. I was I was reading it at my boyfriend's house, and it got to the first part, and I was like, okay, nope, I'm not yeah, reading this like here. Because <laughs> I, I know that, like, when I read that, I'm just, like, I'm just, like, like this the whole time. Like, I'm, like, bright red, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So for the next portion of our podcast, if you haven't been with us before, we're going to touch on our four main pillars, uh, and that's going to be a rating of four elements within the book. They're kind of the most important elements to both of us. Uh, And so those are going to be the witty banter, obviously very important. That's the title of our podcast. Uh, Character development, smut, and then realism. And this is on a scale of one to five, tens a little bit too much. We'll also give you our overall rating of the book. So I'm going to start with overall rating. Maddie, why don't you give it to us? I gave this book a five. I really, really liked this book. I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed pretty much every aspect of this book. I There's some things I want to talk about later on in the spoiler section that I wanted to mention. Um, but In my head, this is about as good as it gets for romance. I mean, there might be other books out there that might be better. But in terms of just, like, the general romance that I've read this far, this is definitely a five on my in in my head for the romance books that I've read before. And that was a lot of me saying that. (laughs) The same thing over and over again. But I think you get my point, right? It's a five. It's, It's a good book. I like this book a lot. I also gave it a five. I loved it. Like I said, it literally, like, full spectrum of emotions. I cried. I laughed. I was angry uh, at Knox. <laughs> and um, it was just so good. And, like, there were so many wholesome parts. Uh, I loved the main character, Naomi. She's just such a giving, kind person. Uh, and especially after last week's where we had Phoebe, who's, like, so mean. Uh I just really loved Naomi. It was a very nice kind of breath of fresh air. And yeah, I mean, this book, the end of it, I when I finished it, I felt like giddy. Uh, and it's, it's everything a good like rom-com should be, but there's actual emotional trauma that the characters have to work through. It was phenomenal. I loved it. I'll probably read it again multiple times throughout my life. It was incredible. Very good. Also, there is two more books in this series that will be coming out. There is one about um, his brother, and then there's one about his best friend. So it's very exciting to think that we're not completely done with this whole series yet, that there's still two more books that we have to write, or to write, (laughs) to read. Um, And I'm very, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading those because they're really good. And the second book for this comes out in February. It comes out in a month from tomorrow, actually. And we'll be doing a review on that one for sure, because this book was just so good that I cannot wait to read the next one. I have very high expectations, and I expect that they will be met with this next book. Um, And I'm really interested to learn a little bit more about his brother. You know, it's kind of a cursory glance in this book, but 
he was a great character. So I'm excited to see where she takes all of our characters here in the next book. All right, so the next category we address is the witty banter. I'm going to hand this over to Maddie to give us her rating. I gave it a five. I loved it. I like, I really, uh, it was going, I was going back between a four and a five because sometimes it didn't feel super witty. It just felt like real, which we'll get into also. Um, And I liked it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. So I gave it a five. I would, I also kind of struggled between four and a five. I think I'm going to go with a five. Like, like you said, it wasn't as like quippy, I would say as some other interactions I've read in romance novels, but like the back and forth between them, you can just like feel the tension. You can cut it with a knife. It's so good. And he has this nickname for her. He calls her Daisy or Days. And I I did my nails. Did. <laughs> I did my nails so I could um, match the book. So I put little Daisy. You're so them. brilliant and talented. Thanks. Wonderful. I know. Mine are. Thanks. Yeah, don't look at mine. They're like Allison Hightower nails. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I loved their interactions. I loved his nicknames for her. There was always, like, tension. At first, it was very angry. Then it got more playful. Uh, it was just, it was really good. You could really tell the dynamic between the characters. You could see how it was shifting throughout the book with their interactions with each other. It was just, it was excellent. It was very, very good. Um so I was pleasantly surprised by that. All right. Uh, next category is character development. This book I felt was very unique in the character development because the, both the main characters, Naomi and Knox, are older. They are 38 and 42, I think, was their age gap. Um Knox being 42 and Naomi being 38. So because they're older already, they had already kind of gone through this period in time that we see in a lot of romance books where it's a relatively young person who's just starting out in their career. They're, you know, trying to navigate the world around them, but, you know, they're still like fresh to the, to the real world where, you know, these characters are older. They're kind of a little bit more gritty. They've been around, they, they've been high and they've been low and they've done a lot of the things that you can expect to happen in your twenties and thirties. I still think, though, that their character development was great because there was definitely aspects of both of the characters that needed to improve from the start, right? Knox is this really hard knock guy. He's, you know, very guarded. He doesn't really let himself uh, come off to people in their, because they live in a very small town. He doesn't let them, he doesn't come off to people in their town as like a very like caring guy. He's just there. Um, whereas Naomi, she just recently left literally everything she's ever known. She's dealing with this idea of like perfectionism where she's like cultivated this perfect life for herself in her head and having to come to terms with not being able to accomplish this exact perfect life that she wanted. So, uh, I gave it a five because I think that those are very real struggles that people who are in that age group definitely probably go through. I don't know for sure because... I'm only 24, so I don't, I've never experienced anything like that yet. I'm still in the whole being a new person in the real world part of my life. So I gave it a five. What did you think? I also gave it a five. There's going to be a lot of fives here, you guys. This is just such a good book. Um, but yeah, like Maddie said, you know, 
Naomi's kind of coming to terms with having been a perfectionist her whole life and everything's still kind of going wrong, right? She doesn't have the dream house, the dream husband, the kids. Everything she knows has just kind of gone up in flames because of her sister Tina yet again. Um, But watching Naomi become a parent to her niece was really awesome. Kind of watching them break down each other's walls. I thought that was beautiful, uh, very wholesome. I think Naomi coming to terms with the fact that like she can't be perfect all the time and she can't be there to rescue everybody um, was really important. And I think her niece really helped her to get there. Knox really just needed to learn what was important to him. He's had a a lot of loss and that's very difficult to process. Um, And finding someone who finally like makes you want things in life that you never thought you were going to can be hard. Uh, So he had to kind of do a whole reboot uh, of his priorities there towards the end. So I thought the character development was excellent even a lot of the side characters their character development was great um like Naomi's parents as they came to find out about you know their their granddaughter that they didn't know about and they support Naomi through the book thought that they had excellent um contributions to quite a few people's character development it was just really good and I think a lot of the progressions that the characters made made a lot of sense uh, and it didn't happen overnight, right? Like this, this is a big book. These are changes that are happening slowly over time based on the interactions that these characters are having with each other uh, and the things that are happening in their lives. So really well done. Five out of five. Uh, the next category is what all the people come for. Uh, <laughs> it's the smut. Um, a five. It is... Yeah, it is really spite. I mean, it is like, I've never read Fifty Shades of Grey, but this is what I imagined would happen in Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, it's pretty, um, it's a lot. It's something that you want to read in the privacy of your own home and not on the couch at your boyfriend's parents' house. Um, probably, yeah, (laughs) or like on a public, public transit. I don't know. I feel like that if somebody saw me reading this book, they would just, like, if I, well, if I see somebody who's reading this book in public, I'm going to immediately assume, and they're, like, halfway through the book, like, oh, they're at that part. And I'm just going to be like, wow, look at them having no outwards reaction to this. They're just taking it all in. Um, It was a five. It was really spicy. What do you think? Yeah, it was a five. There are parts where I'm reading it where I'm like, oh, my God. Uh... It was, it was good. Yeah. It may, and like, I think it was pretty realistic too. It wasn't like crazy yeah. over the top. The thing about smut in romance books is like, it's not like that in real life. Right. Romance books are not reality, but uh, it was really well done. I like, I was hanging on by the, the edge of my seat. Like, it was yeah, yeah really good moments. Very well written. Uh, it was pretty descriptive. Very. Uh, as men- Maddie mentioned earlier when we were talking about whether or not we'd recommend it to our siblings. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was so good. And like, there, it's not overwhelming too, right? It's not every five pages. Like there's probably three or four instances in the book where they they actually get into the, the details gritty <laughs> of what's happening. Um, but yeah, it was good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> now we're going to talk about uh, realism out of five. 
I gave it a five. I think that it was pretty realistic in terms of their relationship. There's definitely been, you know, instances that I know of where, you know, a sibling is not taking care of their, like, child and they abandon their children and, like, all these things are things that happen in real life. It got a little unrealistic Mm -hmm. towards the end, but that's something that I want to talk about for spoilers because there's, like, particular reasons why I don't find that to be very um, compelling. But overall, I gave it a five because it just felt it just felt real. It just felt like it was something that I could see happening in a small town, and I liked it. I this is one area where I gave it a four, uh, and it is just it's partially because of the ending. I thought that was a little like crazy. There's got to be some conflict, right? You have to have the the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, peak conflict at the end of the book for the characters to get over the one in this book was just a lot uh but i will say that almost every other element of the book is very realistic people deal with terrible family members all the time and they have to pick up the pieces and and kind of step in where someone else has kind of laxed in their responsibilities. I think it was a great story about family, about coming to terms with people in your life who do bad things for no good reason, basically. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, A lot of Knox's issues were very practical, dealing with uh, grief and the loss of family members, uh, the changing dynamic between siblings, that kind of deal. Uh, And I also think it, I mean, it happens all the time where people will end up raising, like I said, some some other person in their family's child. And so I think it was a great representation of people in that specific instance. Um, but I did think it was generally realistic. Uh, there's one character in the book. It's, her, it's Naomi's best friend, Steph. I thought he was like a little over the top, but... There are people like that. I don't know very many of them personally. Mm -hmm. He was a phenomenal character, by the way. I truly loved him. uh, But I felt like he kind of detracted from the realism a little bit. Because if I, he, I told Maddie, he literally reminds me of like RuPaul. (laughs) Like that's who I picture in my head when I read about him. Uh, So that lowered it a little bit for me. But overall, very realistic, very common problems that people deal with on an everyday basis. And I don't think that the resolution of the book was super far-fetched. Like I said, there was a lot of conflict in this book that was building up to kind of that peak conflict. uh, And the characters had laid enough groundwork that the ending made sense and it wasn't crazy. Yes. So it was very good. Still gave it a four, though, just because of a few things that kind of brought it down in my head yeah um a couple things that i wanted to mention before we move on to our spoiler section if you are looking to pick up this book be warned that there is a small trigger warning for domestic violence in this book it is very very small portion of the book it is not mentioned um graphically it is not very um explicit in any way and it's not between the love interest and the main character so um, keep that in mind if you want to pick up this book. Also, if you are interested in picking up this book, this author does a great job of inclusion. She has characters from all different types of walks of life, all different identities. There are gay characters, bisexual characters, and it's very um, inclusive in that sense. But like I said, just keep in mind if you're looking into this book and you want to read it, there is a little mention of 
domestic violence. So, yes. Yeah. And on the inclusion element, too, like, she did a phenomenal job of including characters in the book uh, from different walks of life, different sexualities, while also making them people, right? That wasn't, like, their main driving component that they were gay or uh, X, Y, Z. And I think that's something that a lot of authors kind of fall into is they develop a character around this one trait um, in order to promote inclusion. But at the end of the day, all of these people who are being represented in books, the groups of people who identify with those groups, they're, they're people at the end of the day. Their sexuality, their body type, the color of their skin isn't the only element of that person. So I think she did a really good job of being inclusive and also creating well-rounded characters. Yes. So Lucy Score, I love you. Can't wait to read. Yeah. I can't wait to read your next book. So next, we're going to be talking about the spoilers of the book. So if you are interested in reading this book, I would stop here and come back after you've finished reading it because now we're going to get into the nitty gritty and we're going to talk about specific parts of the book and we're going to spoil a lot of things that happen in the book. Um, if you don't care or you don't plan on reading the book, just stay tuned. We've got we've got more coming up. Um, so. The first thing I want to do, Courtney, is I want to talk about who we would cast in a movie version of this book. Now, I okay. <laughs> I will go first, and I, I will tell you. For Naomi, I was thinking of Nina Dobrev the whole time. Really? The entire okay. time. And the reason why, I think it had something to do with the Vampire Diaries and, you know, like, the Catherine and the Elena character. And so yeah. I was kind of thinking, like, because... Tina kind of reminded me of like a like a a really awful Catherine, like a like a human awful Catherine, where Catherine was evil yeah. in, in the supernatural sense. Um, so Nina Dobrev is actually who I was thinking of, and she's also thirty four, so she's not that far off from being like Naomi's age, which is something okay. else I had to come to terms with in this book. Is because I hear people who are thirty four, thirty eight, forty two, and I think of like old people like not like old people but i'm yeah. thinking like really rugged like gray hair and then i like look up <laughs> some people's ages and i'm like oh wait um like i saw a fan yeah, art that was yeah. aubrey plaza and charlie hunnam and they are the exact ages of the characters and i was like oh god my head was like all messed up um but in terms of Knox, <laughs> this is a little unconventional so there's this video game it is called coral island have you heard of it no. Okay, let me show you. I'm going to send you a text message right now of what I think <laughs> okay. that he would look like. So this is what I was picturing the entire time. <laughs> this is what Knox Morgan looks like in my head. Uh, I'll have like an image on the screen so they can see what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't know why, but just the way that he's described, this is who I was thinking of. And Mark is actually a romanceable character in Coral Island, and that's who I've been trying to romance okay. for the last like three months. <laughs> So, um, this is who I was thinking of the entire time. He's a, he's a big boy in like a good way. Yeah. He's wide. He's wide. Yeah. There's also <laughs> the character Wraith, um, like the soccer coach guy and. Oh yeah. I was picturing Ron Perlman. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause like. That would it be just phenomenal, just seemed, honestly. Like I would love to see Ron Perlman in like a more, um, like, like a biker, but also kind of like, uh, friendly because he was not friendly. A children's soccer yeah, a coach. Because <laughs> he was just not. And then for Liza J, I was picturing the woman in the Mandalorian with the crazy hair and um, 
Who, like, has, like, the little droids and everything. The little shop that they go to. Okay. Do you know who I'm talking about? What is her name? Yes. Yeah, yeah. of course I do. Yeah. I don't well, know, I don't know if I described her, name. like, well enough where, like, you would be like, oh, because there's, like, millions of people who have droid shops. Uh, but that's who I was picturing for <laughs> Liza J. Okay. But those are, like, the main characters that I thought of, like, of as characters. So who would you cast as? Okay. For Naomi... I thought, okay, so she's described as, like, Disney princess, very beautiful, kind of, like, dainty, right? She has flowers in her hair. She has darker hair. I pictured Claire Foy. I did um, Okay, Claire Foy, what, she played Queen Elizabeth in The Crown in seasons one and two. She's incredibly beautiful. Um, she's also a little bit older, I believe. I don't know if she's quite in that she's age She's 38. Range, but that's just what I pictured. Oh, she's perfect. perfect. Spot on. <laughs> um, but that's what I pictured. Like, she's very – she just reminds me of, like, a real-life Disney princess, and that's who came to mind immediately. Uh, and as much as you're joking about that fan cast you saw earlier, I think Charlie Hunnam is, like, the perfect person for Knox. I think he's maybe even a little too short. Like, I just picture Knox as this huge, towering man in my head, like, very broad and wide. Uh, but, like – when you think of like a a big grizzly handsome tall blonde viking man that's the first person who comes into my head interesting uh and then for liza j i don't the lady who plays beth dutton she came into my head because liza and i don't even watch yellowstone but like I've seen clips and stuff, but she's just like, she's got some grit to her. She's very kind. So I guess that's kind of a deviation from that personality, but I just see like the, the grit and the gall there. And as much as she was kind of like a shut in for a while because of her grief, like you can tell by her interactions with people that she's got some, some chutzpah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you have any so idea that's who, I picture. who you'd want to cast as like Nash? Because I really can't think of anybody that I... Maybe I'll think of it, like, when we read the next book, but, like, I really couldn't picture him as, like, a specific kind of look. I was just, like, I was, like, beeline focus on Knox. I was, like, mm, mm. <laughs> I And I know that, that, that she described Nash as, like, handsome. He had this beautiful, brilliant smile. I don't know. I don't know. Um... Somebody with, like, wholesome moral policeman vibes, I guess, because you can tell that uh, Nash is a very moralistic person. Yeah. Um, so, I honestly, I don't know. And I think maybe after we read the next book, we'll get kind of more context of his character, and she'll probably describe him again in a different light <laughs> to where it, like, because the, the main focus was Knox. It was supposed to be, and that's where my head was at the mm -hmm. whole time. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, like, I really couldn't think of any particular person for Nash. So that's why I said that I also think that when we read The Things We Hide from the Light, I think is what the next book is called, mm -hmm. um, that we might get a better image. So um, I took quite a few notes for this book, and that's something that I plan on I doing. Yeah. Yeah for uh, future books as well. And I just want to like go over them and like talk about them in order. Uh, this is something okay. that we want to do because 
I feel like our last few episodes, we've been a little out of order, but I feel like if we go in order, it might make a little bit more sense for discussions about future parts of the book. So, yeah. like I said, or like, like Courtney said earlier, this is a very long book, so this is probably going to be a pretty long episode, opposed to our other episodes, which have been both 54 minutes and 26 seconds long. Uh, but these ones are going to probably, this book is probably going to be a little bit longer than that. So... Let's start off. My first note that I have is on page 30, and it is okay. when she <laughs> just decides that she is going to take Waylay as her, as and become her caretaker. And I wrote kind of a lot of responsibility to take on in a couple of minutes. <laughs> um, Definitely. I understand wanting to, like, be there for your family and take care of your family, but I felt like that was really, really quick to just go from, I mean, obviously she's not doing well. Like she's, she just ran away from her wedding and she's very traumatized from what had happened that led to her like leaving her wedding. But I just, um, which is by the way, her, her fiance smacked her across the face and humiliated her and made her feel really worthless. Um, yeah, he's a real piece of work. Yeah. So she's already Warner. having like a bad time and then she just got robbed and now she has an 11 year old to take care of and she's like okay it was just a lot for her to take on and i didn't i didn't understand why like wanting your parents to do something nice for themselves is good but why would you just not be like hey um tina just left me with an 11 year old what do i do yeah well and that's like i think that's that's her personality. That's why everyone gets so frustrated with her. Because they're like, you don't have to do all of this alone. And she's like, I can't be a burden to anybody else. Like, her life is literally in shambles. And she's trying to help other people at every possible opportunity. Um, I think it suits her personality, like her character. But, yeah, for her to just, like, get handed all that crap and then just be like, okay, let's go. Let's do it. I was like, whoa, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Go to therapy first, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my next note is not until page 148. So do you have anything in between there? Um, I believe the fight between Knox and Nash happens in that that little excerpt. They're uh, trying to assert dominance. They both want full Miss Naomi. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was funny. Like... I haven't really met a lot of men who are just like, yeah, when me and my brother fight or when me and my friends fight, we just punch each other in the face and then move on. Uh, so I, that one I was like, okay, men are weird. Uh, <laughs> but that's really my only note on that. I thought it was like cute. That's when you're starting to see that like, even though Knox wants to deny that he's into her, he very obviously is. Uh, and there's a part in the book, I can't remember what page it's on, but it's like, he, Knox is talking about how Nash is starting to develop a crush in, in his head. He's like, somebody's starting to develop a crush more than one somebody, actually. <laughs> and that's like the first time that he's acknowledging that, like, he's kind of really into her to himself. I thought that was kind of cute. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so on page 148... I wrote, this is the part where um, he, where, uh, this is the part where Knox is sitting there and he's thinking to himself, 
Like, he says, so I'd been a bit of a dick. Personally, I didn't think it was enough of an infraction for me to be relegated to Ice Town. And I thought that was really funny. I wrote self-reflection, unheard of. <laughs> because he's like, he's sitting there and he's like, maybe I was actually kind of a little bit mean to her and I probably shouldn't have been. And like, that's just so nice because he's sitting there like reflecting on his relationship with her because he's already mentioned that he has a little bit of a crush on her. And he's realizing that maybe being mean to her is not the way to get her to like him back. Which she doesn't have to worry about because she's- Believe it or not, fellas. Yeah, she's already into him because- But he doesn't know that because it's still the beginning of the book. And then my next- um, <laughs> My next one is on page 150, which is the next one. Uh, I wrote that Knox was giving me Luke Danes with Rory Gilmore vibes. Where- oh. Have you seen Gilmore Girls? No. <laughs> oh, so this is just- <laughs> So in Gilmore Girls- um. There's this character named Luke, and he is the owner of the diner that they go to every morning. Okay. And as Rory gets older, you know, she starts dating and stuff like that. And she dates this guy named Dean. And then they, they, I can't remember if they got into a fight or if they had broken up, but Luke sees him outside the diner and he goes outside to fight him. <laughs> and Luke is like a grown man who's like into Rory's mom. So it's, it's very similar dynamic <laughs> to that. So it was super funny and he reminded me a lot of Luke Danes in his relationship with okay. Waylay because Luke has a very like positive relationship with Rory like like a father figure to okay. Rory um even when he's not with Lorelai which is the mom so okay you should watch Gilmore I Girls can see that. it's really good Terry loved Gilmore Girls did he really uh -huh. <laughs> yeah he yeah really like really liked Gilmore Girls a lot Interesting. Okay, well, maybe when I come to visit in like there's like eight seasons, month, we'll have to do a rewatch. There's eight seasons. We've got plenty of time. Plenty of time. Uh, yeah, I love his. Di I love Knox's dynamic with Waylay. We'll get into that a little later on when we talk about the soccer game. The soccer game was like the best part of the book for me. But, um, and honestly, I don't have a lot of notes until pretty far on in the plot so i'm gonna let you take over here so then the next note that i have is on page 166 and this is the scene when he has taken waylay and naomi shopping so that waylay can get new new clothes for school and he so is taking naomi around the mall and buying her things that she needs and they go to victoria's secret and he goes in with her and then he just like she's like just like trying to like get out of there as fast as he as she can and he's like she's gonna take these and also these and just like pulls out like a bunch of underwear and just hands them to the sales lady i wrote omfg <laughs> because it was at that moment that i knew what was gonna be he's happening deep. Mm -hmm. yeah i was like these these Purchased underwear are going to be resurfacing yeah. later in the novel, it's, I have a feeling. I'd actually like to mention something. So earlier I was talking about this instance where Sean and I were at the mall and he said mm -hmm. to the lady. So we were actually there because my ex-boyfriend that I had been with had bought me a bunch of underwear from Victoria's Secret after we broke up and gave it to Sean to give to me. And it was super oh, creepy. It, it was creepy. Okay. I was like you are a weirdo. So Sean and I came up with the idea of 
going back to Victoria's Secret, returning them and splitting the profit. And so that's what we did. We both <laughs> ended up returning them and getting like $27 each or something like that for the underwear that he that's had given so me. so funny. And then that's why. Terry, yeah. it's, Terry's like the most normal person you've dated in the in yeah, a good way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, yeah. After the fact, he got you underwear. Yeah. Gross. This is cute. That's This gross. is cute. That was weird. Uh, but that was definitely, that was... Yeah, that's it also reminded me of that instance with Sean, which is the same instance of him telling the <laughs> kiosk lady that that's never stopped us before. Hilarious. So the next the next scene that I have is on 245. It is okay. Do you have anything in between there that you want to talk about? Nope. So this is one of their first um smut scenes together. And I just want to talk really quickly, very briefly, and I'm not going to mention what exactly it says, but there is this word that romance authors use that I need them to stop using because it makes me, it takes me out of the moment, it makes me cringe, and it makes me go, every single time. I wrote, I wrote, I need authors to stop saying this next to it because it's just... It's a, it's terrible. I really, if someone in real life said that to me, I would leave. I would, I would, I would be like, leave. like, what? I'm leaving. <laughs> this is just not working out anymore. I'm sorry. Yuck. It really. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of livestock. That's like the yes. problem for me. Yeah. It reminds me of yeah. freaking cows, which I don't want to hear. Like, I, that's the last thing I want to think <laughs> about. It's so cringy. I, I cannot stand it. It literally bothers me so much. I'm getting very passionate about it because it makes me so angry. I read it and I'm like, Ugh. the first time I read it was in the Ugh. Spanish love deception. And I was like, what the frick is this? What did I just read? Um, so I really need them to stop using this particular word. Yeah. I'm sure by now you've probably caught on to the to what word we're talking about. But I really need them to stop. Okay, the rest of it was fine. That yeah, you're right. That one word, yeah, just and like, it's it's used over. It's used a couple times throughout the book. I think like three or four times, and each time I was like, "Stop it, Lucy! Stop it! You're <laughs> you're better than this, Lucy." Put on the band word list. Yeah, I'm can't be in there. Yeah. Pu- publishers, editors, hear us now. Stop using this no more. goddamn word. No, no more. No more. Uh, so, okay. Uh, my next tab is on page 259. And this is okay. the part when her parents come back, or not come back, but they come for the first time to the house. And Knox is, you know, they just finished doing things. And he's up in her room and she comes down and her parents come into the house and they're like, oh, Naomi, we're so happy that you're here. We killed you our granddaughter. <laughs> and then here comes Big Knox coming down the stairs, luckily in underwear. And he's like, babe, what's going on? And she's like, oh, these are my parents. And he goes, oh, hi, <laughs> I'm Knox. I'm her boyfriend. And well, not like that, but it's it's kind of like that. So she like pulls him aside. And she's like, what do we do? Yeah. Do we just like pretend we're dating? And he's like, I guess. I guess I'll just pretend to be your boyfriend. While they're talking about this, um, they're, they're also trying to get this uh, approval to be Waylay. Well, Naomi's trying to get approval to be Waylay's guardian. And so because of that, she's 
like on edge and she's trying to like cultivate this perfect life in Knockamout, which is like where the story takes takes place and she's you know trying to provide some stability or like the appearance of stability so she's also down for the fake dating and also because they just like enjoyed themselves even though they're like this is a one-time thing it never it's is. always just a one-time thing it never is so yeah um the that's when they started fake dating is to impress her parents and to also provide some stability for Naomi's attempt to get guardianship of Wele. And this this scene like made me laugh. It was funny obviously cuz like her parents are there. But her mom is in the background and she's like yeah. Yeah. And later on in the book, she like smacks Knox's ass. Yeah. That made me laugh too. Yeah. Her mom is funny and her dad's a little more solemn, but that just made me laugh cuz her mom's in the background like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So that was uh, when it started happening for their fake dating. And of course, after that, like, they, they're they still, like, hooking up. And they're still, like, enjoying each other's company. And they're, like, hanging of out course, all the time. Because fake dating, fake dating requires that you do all the things that Real dating people does. who actually date are yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. Even in private, when no one is looking. Um. Okay, so then my next tab is on 296. Do you have anything in between there? No, we're we're fast approaching where I have like eight. Okay, tabs, great. So. That's actually I actually lose tabs towards the end. So perfect. perfect. Look at us. <laughs> um, this is the scene where. Wait, what did? It... Oh, that's right. So this is the scene where they're having a quick little hookup in the like field in his car his truck sorry he's a trucker boy um yeah there's she says they're like talking about what they're gonna do and Mm -hmm. she says good plan very organized measurable goals and i was like love that (laughs) that made me really that made me go out loud organized babe yeah (laughs) i was like all right honestly enjoy that sure and her like her but hit the the steering wheel horn horn, on the car. Yeah. The steering wheel. It's just a fun, a funny little rom com mm-hmm. moment, I would say. Okay. So then this is where it gets a little more. I have a couple notes here, but I don't have any more notes until page three fifty seven. So if you have anything in between, okay. Uh yeah. So on three fourteen, three fifteen. Uh, this portion is where, like, they've had another serious moment in their fake dating relationship, and Naomi is clearly thinking things over. And this is where you really get a sense that Knox is, like, he's been watching her very closely, and, like, he's starting to develop very serious feelings for her, because uh, she's, like, thinking about all this stuff in her head, and he just looks at her, and he goes, are you about done thinking everything to death? Like... I just thought it was a cute little moment where you can see that he's clearly, like, picking up on her nonverbal cues. Uh, Definitely shows that he cares. And then there's a little section on the next page where they're talking. And she goes, like, is this still pretend? Uh, And you can, and it describes his face changing to, like, kind of like a shadow. And he's like, yeah, we're still pretending. Uh, And she said, I didn't know if I was relieved or not. Like, 
it's becoming very apparent that this is not as like tame as they thought it was going to be. It's a lot more serious. Um, and then like her parents are talking about going to get a car and she's not necessarily ready for that yet. And he just steps in. He's like, we're going, we're going to get a car. Uh, and I just love how he like steps up to meet her needs, even though he, in his head, he's like, I'm not falling in love with her. His actions are like very obviously, very vividly showing that. So, um, and then on page 322, there's an interaction where, uh, Naomi and her niece Waylay are kind of talking and Waylay is like he makes you smile and Naomi's like stop no he no he doesn't and Waylay's like yeah you guys are great together and she's like oh my gosh shut up no way I thought that was cute like her relationship with Waylay as it evolves is really cute and I love the relationship that Knox has with Waylay that they all three have with each other. They have like a really good little family unit by the end. But um, the fact that one, her niece's opinion meant so much to her and two, that like other people are starting to pick up on their dynamic. I really loved that. Uh, and then the next thing I have is on 331. You have anything in between that? Nope, I don't have anything until the 50s. 350s. Okay, this is just Knox talking about like the way he feels about Naomi. He's like, he, he's got all these other priorities, right? He's got all these people relying on him. He's got a business. He's got employees. But the only thing he wants to do is to be around her, even to the detriment of like all the other things that he has going on. And he's like, she's been plaguing me ever since she blew into town. Um, and it's also where he acknowledges that he really likes that she's starting to depend on him. And, I mean, later on in the book, he kind of rips that rug out from under her. But, like, all these slow realizations that you kind of come kind of come to passively see as the book goes on, I really loved that. Um, and in his chapters in particular, there's certain moments where he's just really, like, awestruck by her. And I think that that's adorable. Um, there's also a certain point in this chapter where he talks about how he feels like it's it's starting to not feel like it's pretending anymore um so yeah loved that yeah so do you have anything until 357 uh i have something right before 357 i also have 357 marked oh Um, perfect this is the the soccer game this is my favorite part of the whole book because it just really starts to show everyone's true dynamic um and like I mean, there's a portion where she doesn't think Knox is going to show up because she didn't invite him. And then he just shows up there uh, because she's like, oh, I don't want him to feel like obligated to to be at my niece's events. It's not like his kind of thing. And he's there. He shows up, um, which is a very more apparent showing of his feelings for her uh, and for Waylay, too. Um. And as we get into the soccer scene, Wele, she says some pretty <laughs> heinous crap to the referee. Uh, clearly, there's been an influence either from her mom or from being around Knox. So she gets carded. And I just think it's really cute because, like, Naomi's a little pissed, obviously. She's like, come on. Um, 
and there's this really beautiful moment between Knox and Waylay where he's like, hey, it's okay to be mad about stuff, but like, you shouldn't be using bad language. Like, this is where his DILF energy starts to come in full effect. And I was like, oh, this is speaking to me on a whole new level. Um, because he just really showed like his care and love for Waylay. He was being very fatherly, but also relatable and she's starting to let her walls come down. And there's, uh, there's a portion on page, uh, 357 where they're talking about getting ice cream and like being allowed to cuss during football games. And Naomi says, uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Waylay says, but it's morning. She said, looking at me as if I were some anti-swearing, anti-ice cream monster. And I wrote, haha next to that because it made me laugh. Um, okay, so I actually realized that I forgot to mention two things. Okay. One uh, is a little further back. Well, both of them are a little further back. But on 293, we get a glimpse into who Knox really is because he... Every month when all the women in his bar are on their periods, he makes them a little basket of, like, stuff and some cookies. And so I wrote, I love Knox. His best friend is bi. He's a feminist. He's accepting in a small town. He's self-made and he's hot. (laughs) That's all anybody could ever want. All the checklists. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, he like, he, he meets all the criteria of like a really great guy. Something else that I forgot to mention, though, is on 289. Let's see. What are they talking about here again? Okay, so this is the scene when Waylay's... This is the part of the book when Waylay is going to put field mice in her awful teacher's um, room or desk or whatever. Which is an incredible prank, by the way. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Basically, her teacher had been discriminated against her in class because um, Waylay's mom, Tina, who is Naomi's twin sister, slept with her teacher's husband. And because she did that, the teacher is taking out her revenge on an 11-year-old girl who is obviously not involved in that in any way. Um, So she's... She is very hurt. Naomi finds out. She goes down to the school and she's like, what the hell? Um, but then her parents come along and so does Knox. Now, this is where, this is like one of the main criticism, criticisms I have of the book. And that is that nobody respects Naomi. Nobody. Her yeah. parents, her parent, well, except Knox. Um, because he's trying to do what will make Naomi happy. However, the other people in her life don't respect her. So, for an example, in this scene, you know, her... Her parents are doing this the very grandparenty thing where they're like, oh, well, she she, you know, she can't be punished. She's she's so good. She's innocent. She didn't do any of the yeah. stuff. <laughs> and Naomi's like, no, she still was gonna pull this prank and she didn't tell me where she was and she was missing, and it's still mm-hmm. a lot. So she was very frustrated with her parents because they kept second guessing her. And um Knox is like no, like, she's right, or whatever, and then after Knox says that, then they're like, oh, actually, you know what, I think Naomi has a point, maybe we shouldn't second guess her, and that made me so mad, and then it happened again on page 357, okay, 
That's true. So Naomi has been trying to get Wele to stop cussing and to stop swearing at soccer games because she's consistently getting yellow carded. And she just doesn't want Wele thinking it's okay. She's 11 years old to, to be calling people names. And right. um, she, she's been trying to get through to her on this for so long. And ultimately, it's Knox who tells her, like, you can cuss with me at football game when we watch football games, but you can't cuss other than that. And she's like, okay, Knox, I'll do that. And it's just like, they just don't respect Naomi's opinion as a parent. And that's, it's just so frustrating throughout the entire thing. Because it's just like, she's trying her best and you guys are consistently going against her. But the second that this man says to do that, she's doing something right, you all are like, oh, yeah, it's great. Which is incredibly relatable, but super frustrating. Yeah. I can see where you're coming from on that. I just really loved the moment because I think it's where Knox is finally starting to realize how much he also cares about Wele and he steps into the dad shoes. But yeah, it should have been enough that Naomi, who has been caring for this child for a while at this point, has said like, hey, don't do that. Um, And I do think, I don't know, maybe that's kind of a touch on like the traditional family view style where like, you need the dynamic of both the mother and a father and like you can appeal to them in a certain way but Naomi has been busting her butt she has proved time and time again throughout the book that she's reliable for Wele that she cares about her so for her to have been working towards this and have Knox just be the one who ends up getting her to do it I do think that that's kind of crappy but there is a kind of a redeeming moment after that Wele scores a goal that wins the game in the last few seconds mm-hmm. and the first person that she wants to run to is Naomi and they hug each other and she's like did you see did you see and Naomi's like yes I'm so proud of you I cried uh <laughs> that made me cry I thought it was so cute and wholesome you finally see like this little girl breaking down the walls that her mother forced her to put up through her terrible awful behavior and to come to love her aunt as like a mother figure and to trust her uh I really loved that I thought it was cute it shows too that like Wele is kind of becoming her own person achieving her own goals and she has this whole family next to her that's kind of supporting her along the way including Knox and um Nash and Liza J that whole that whole gaggle so I thought as much as I see where you're coming from, I thought that little moment afterward was a nice little redemption in their relationship with yeah. each other. So then I don't have any notes until, like, the epilogue, so. Uh, there's a portion where, like, they are talking about, it's on page, or about page 380, 379, and Knox and Naomi are talking about what happened with Warner, uh, and Knox, she's like, she's telling him, she's like, I never felt good enough for him, right? He has all this money. I was always cleaning up his messes, but I never feel like he re- felt like he really wanted me. And Knox is like, babe, listen, he wasn't ever going to be good enough for you. And he knew it. And I think this is also where Knox is like, one, he's trying to comfort her. But I think it's also showing like, as much as he didn't think Warner was ever going to be good enough for her he also doesn't think he's good enough for her. Uh, And then right after that, they get into another, like, really steamy scene. A couple chapters after, there's my favorite smut moment. And it's because, like, (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, it's a little detailed, but there's a part of it where, like, you know, they're doing the deed. Uh, and Knox is like, uh, I love her. I love this. I love her. Like, he doesn't say it out loud, but he acknowledges it to himself. And he's finally taken that final leap internally into, like, being all in in some regards right he still has his trauma that he's not able to get over but he's acknowledging that his feelings are genuine and real um there's also a part where he's talking about like she's she's brilliant she's gonna find somebody else um and he's talking about like her moving on and she'll just be a memory and then he comes to this introspective moment where he's like she's never gonna fade away from my memory i'm never gonna forget about her um I'll say her name in my head at least a dozen times a day, but he still wants her to go and be happy because he feels like he can't be the person to give that to her in light of his trauma. And he's really scared uh, to lose someone so important to him yet again, especially after Nash's brother just got shot a couple chapters before and has been recovering from that. He's a man who's been riddled by grief and loss, who's terrified to allow himself the opportunity to experience it again. Yeah, I did think it was a little messed up, though, that while he's actively, you know, like, with her, he's like, I'm going to break up with you tomorrow. And it, it just, like, I just, that makes... Yeah, well, that was awful. That was so I awful. Punch him in the mouth. I also don't like... One of my least favorite tropes is the whole I'm not good enough for you thing. But I especially didn't like it in this book because I felt like they were too old for that. That's true. Yeah, I mean, like... Obviously, he's had a habit of behaving this way basically his entire life. You kind of get that when she meets uh, his friend, Lena. Uh, I also love their friendship, right? So Lena's kind of like one of Knox's ex-flings, but they are still friends. And as much as Naomi is struggling with like them not being together at this point in the book, uh, she's a little jealous of Lena, but Lena is just like, hey babe i'm gonna break down those walls we're gonna be friends i'm gonna make you uh and i i really liked their friendship actually i thought it was cute um she was kind of a bridge in some regards between Knox and naomi so i liked her character quite a bit um also like i said earlier i loved steph he was a great character he was funny he was ride or die for naomi he saw who she truly was how giving she was and he was willing to do some uh not sneaky like hiding things from her but some like things unsavory sneaky things to make sure that she was like safe and well cared for uh he literally reminds me of rupaul in my head uh just like his attitude and um his swagger but there's also a portion i mean towards the end naomi and wayla get kidnapped wait uh by before you okay, talk about I'm that. sorry you said you didn't sorry 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 I just wanted to mention off. something really quick this okay so from this is like the last portion of the book in this last portion of the book there is her ex-boyfriend comes back or her ex-fiance comes back they so they break up Knox and Naomi break up her ex-boyfriend comes back and Knox beats the shit out of him she meets Lena and becomes friends with her, and Lena's like, I've never seen him, blah, 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 whatever. She and Wele are kidnapped. And then, like, the epilogue. That is so much to happen in, this is page 400, pretty much, so 120-something pages. 
Yeah. It was uh it was like one crazy thing. This is the, the build next. up. And that whole time I loved okay, I loved that the whole town was like pissed at Knox. Like they would boo him when he goes <laughs> into places. And it's because they all know that he loves her and they think he's being dumb. And I just wanted to grab him and like shake him in this book because I was like, you know it, everyone else knows it. Why are you continuing down this road of like I can't love anyone. I told her from the beginning it wasn't going to be serious. Like, we're well past that point. You're just, you're the only person you're kidding right now is yourself and you're not even doing a good job of it. Um, But yeah, they get kidnapped and that's his final straw where he's like, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm going to lose both of them. Uh, And I'm never going to recover from this because I could have had the opportunity to like care and love for them and I'm going to, basically regret it for the rest of my life uh and he's like murderous angry of course because he's a big bulky man everything works out in the end like there's some questionable stuff that happens with tina she's off in the wind she gets caught by the police i'm interested to see if they're going to touch on tina again in the next book because it seems like whatever was going on with the flash drive isn't quite over Mm -hmm. um but I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, so overall, like, I wish he would have just come to that realization before they were kidnapped and their lives were put in danger. It didn't take that much for you to realize that you love and care for some someone. So that was a little frustrating. I really but. did not like the whole kidnapping thing. It just felt kind of out of place. Like, and I, I don't understand. So Tina comes and she tries to trick Naomi into coming with her and it works because she's like he took Wele and Naomi loves Wele but I'm like after all this time and after this whole development you would think that Naomi would not willingly get in that car like I know that she loves Wele but like you have to know not to trust your sister at this point with anything she says and to like get in the car and trust her with that without going and getting Knox who's literally inside and even if things are like a little testy right now you know that if he were to find out that Waylo was missing he would be out there immediately like it didn't make a whole lot of sense that she got in the car in the first place but like I don't know and I know that there's people who are genuinely just bad people but like Tina did not have a single redeemable quality maybe that she showed a little bit of love for Wele when there was a gun pointed at her like wow shouldn't take that much for you to realize that you should care about your kids safety but like I don't know Tina was just a bad 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 person uh I thought that was a little unrealistic like I think people are bad but I think a lot of times it's not like I don't know to their core I I don't know what do you think I agree I just like Sometimes they have to have something that redeems them, even if it's something that you don't like about them. Um, She is just problematic, and even... She's problematic, and she's dumb, and she's mean. She... She's just not... She's just not a good person. And I don't know if it's because I've never met anyone that genuinely, like, selfish in my life. But I'm, like, I, like, I literally can't picture someone who only thinks of themselves this much. Uh, but, yeah, it was kind of ridiculous that they got in that. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's fair. I guess I've never, like, 
met anybody who is just purely like that much out for themselves like there there always seems to be one person or one thing that they can um put efforts towards extrinsically it's not all about themselves but like Tina's just a bad person and so the fact that after all of this Naomi still gets in the car drives me crazy the whole kidnapping thing I was like oh god I really hope this book doesn't end with someone dying because like I I like happy endings. I'm a happy ending person. <laughs> yeah, I was so, I was a little worried because the title is Things We Never Got Over. And I was like, oh, shit. Is one of them about to die? And they're never going to get over it? Well, and, like, I came to realize, too, when Knox was talking about, like, the loss of his mom and then his dad leaving and then the loss of his grandfather. When she's talking about, like, there's some things that a person just never gets over. I was like, I hope that's it when I got to the kidnapping part, because I can't handle, like, if something happens to Wele, if something happens to Naomi, I'm gonna burn this book. Like, don't make me care and then rip them away from me. I'm not, I expect that with, like, Game of Thrones, not with my (laughs) romance novels. Yeah, so, So. yeah. Um, So I don't have anything else after that until the end. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if this is technically the epilogue. It is. So the epilogue... And the epilogue's epilogue. Um, first of all, the the first epilogue is Waylay's 12th birthday, which is a yeah. really fun event that Waylay's been looking forward to because she's never really had a birthday party. She's never really gotten to be herself. And Knox gave her everything she could ever want for her birthday party, which is so sweet. However, yeah. there's what, like a petting zoo in the front? Yeah, like it's just really like sweet. That. Um, they do, in fact, have relations during the party. <laughs> um, and he says, this is during a scene, by the way, more kids. Knox, Knox rasped. What? I asked him, pulling away from his mouth. I feel like that is not the appropriate time to be having that conversation. Because what if she had said no, Knox? What if she's just like, I don't want any more kids? The whole mood would have been ruined. Yeah. That was just not... Oh, that's true. Something that's else... It's like a we're sitting down over dinner discussing yeah. our future conversation, not like mid-act. Yeah. Um, mm. I was thinking that... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I wanted to mention also that they... When Knox saved Naomi from the kidnappers, he proposed to her like immediately... And then she's just like, okay. It wasn't even a proposal. Yeah. He was just like, you're going to marry me. We're getting married. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I thought we were not even together, but. Yeah. Whatever. And then um, in the epilogue, the last line, the last two lines in the epilogue, I was like, oh. That's what I did. That exact emotion. Um, (laughs) He said. I can hear it. I can picture I want, it. I want the wedding sooner rather than later. I'm not wasting another minute ma- without making you my wife. You can have anything you want. A big church wedding, a backyard barbecue, a five-figure wedding dress, but I have one demand. Of course, it was a demand and not a request. What's that? I want daisies in your hair. So cute. So Very sweet. Full circle moment. Yeah. Also, I feel like... I, wrote, I don't know. Are, are you, you kidding me? Enough, but like... <laughs> The fact that, like, Knox won the lottery is just kind of, like, 
a passive plot element like it explains why he has the restaurant and the tension between him and his brother but i love that he like that isn't like the dominating part of his story or his personality like it explains a lot of stuff it makes sense i guess uh but like i don't know no one ever called her like a gold digger or anything Mm -hmm. that would have left a bad taste in my mouth i think but I love, too, that he's so generous with his money. Like, he takes care of his family, takes care of other people, buys somewhat strangers uh, new panties. That's very kind. (laughs) Not at all Uh, (laughs) self-serving. Yeah. But, Um, good book. Uh, And the the epilogue to the epilogue, the second epilogue, Obviously, that gives away some little teasers about the relationships other people are going to form in the next few books. Mm-hmm. Um, it also made me, I mean, I think adoption is wonderful. Uh, and um, I know a lot of people struggle with fertility, but it made me so sad that they couldn't have their own kids. See, I actually felt that to be super realistic because there are. I mean, it old, is. I mean, it just Naomi's made me sad. Old, she's older, you know, and. That's true. She wanted, like, this big family and everything. And, like, while she's, like, saying this to him and while they're having that conversation on the dinner table, um, <laughs> um, she does mention that, like, she, like, wants more kids and all that sort of stuff. But it made me think, like, she is, like, older. And so it, it made a little more sense that they would have some sort of issues. They don't say who the issues come from, but I would assume that it's probably just age which is unfortunately just something that's realistic yeah. and happens so i mean it makes sense it's realistic it just made me sad they still got their happy ending and i think adoption like i don't think obviously there's a little bit of a difference between having your own biological kids and adopting children but i think obviously with their relationship with Wele, they're gonna make excellent adoptive parents um and i definitely have an appreciation for that it just made me sad because they talked about wanting their own and it couldn't happen. I would be sad about that for anybody who truly desired to have their own kids and were incapable. Um, That being said, they got their family. They got their happy ending. Um, They have this wonderful group of people surrounding them uh, who are excellent role models for their children. And it was just a very good book. I loved the characters. The plot overall was phenomenal aside from the few things that we mentioned but yeah I I mean like I just feel very fulfilled after reading this I think it was well worth both of our time Mm -hmm. uh lot to talk about because it was so good but yeah yeah so that was things we never got over by Lucy score Lucy I cannot wait to read things that you have in the future I'm so excited for the next book in the series which is about Knox and or not Knox um Nash who's his brother and Lena and as we know already from the spoiler at the end of the book is that they end up having twins so they get together at the end (laughs) um (laughs) so that was the book I really loved it I thought it was really great me too yep uh top probably top 10 favorite romances it might even be, it definitely is in the top five. Uh, very good. 
I even though I know the outcome of the other two books now, I am eager to read through them. Like that is not deterring me at all. Uh, very excellent writing style. I was excited to read through this entire book. The book we reviewed last week was a little bit hard for me to finish, so that was a nice change of pace. Yeah. Next week, Courtney and I will be reading Twisted Love by Anna Wong. I am very excited to read this book. I've never I've heard really, really great things about this book, and a lot of people seem to really like it, so I'm excited to dive into it and see what what happens in it. I I don't know how it's ever going to compete, though, with things we never got over. So if our reviews next week are scathing, it's probably not because it's a bad book, but probably because we're, our expectations are just so high. But a lot of people seem to really, really like these books. So it's a whole series. Yeah, and we, and we do plan on doing the whole series eventually. So I'm excited to do a series. Obviously, this series is already completed. It's up here in my top little corner. Um, But... We're going to be breaking it up with some books in between for those of you who aren't necessarily gung-ho about reading through a series or maybe don't have the time to do it right now so that we still have other content for you guys to follow along with. But I'm excited. I've also heard really good things about this particular series. A lot of my fellow book reader friends have read through it and have nothing but great things to say. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I was going to ask you, is there are there any books that you're currently reading that are not ones that we're doing reviews for? Uh, yes, there's a few that I think I'm going to integrate into um, my reading over the next few weeks. There's one called From Love with Lukov. I think it's a figure skating romance, which is like uh, somewhat, I guess, related to hockey romances. There's ice involved, you know. <laughs> Uh, so that, that's on my list. There's also one called The Runaway Groomsman that I just bought, uh, that I think I'll be reading at some point as well. I have also read the Cruel Prince series already, and Holly Black just released a, um, a new book in that universe with some different characters, so I'm probably going to pick that up and read it here in the next few weeks as well, because I truly loved that series. Very nice. I'm going to go get the sleeve to my book, because I take the sleeves off, but you can't tell what book it is, so I'm going to go oh, get it. I, I always do that, too, because it, like, messes with the... You can't open it and read it. Yeah, it. I don't the sleeve like... sleeve slips around. Suck. Um, okay, so the first book that I am currently reading right now is Grady Hendrix's How to Sell a Haunted House. I am Ooh. about a little more than halfway done with it. Um, it came out on Monday, I think. It's really great. Grady Hendrix is a horror author, so if you are interested in anything scary, I would definitely recommend that you pick up a book like Southern Book Club or um, something along those lines. This is really great. I liked Final Girls Support Group, which is another book of his, but I think I might like this one better. This one also explores a um, a relationship between siblings and selling their dead parents' house. So uh, it's very good, though. I was thinking about maybe doing like a review on this um, channel in more like a traditional YouTube style video just to talk about the book once I finished it because it's it's really great, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, the other book that I'm currently reading is Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Ooh. I am 
a little less into this book than I am um, How to Sell a Haunted House, but I'm enjoying it. It's short. It's definitely a kids book, so it's a little a little tough to get through in that sense, but I'm really enjoying that one right. too. Um, I so I'm also reading a non-fantasy, non-romance um, book. My tax law professor, he decided he was going to start a book club. Uh, and he wanted to start the book club off with the book, The Psychology of Totalitarianism. So, yeah, I know. So boring. Very different from the things I normally read. I already read a lot of law books, so I have some what I would call boring content integrated into my daily reading quotas. Um, so that's something I'll be reading along with as well. Maddie loves horror stuff. Haven't quite delved into that realm yet, but I'm looking forward to hearing some of her reviews on those. Maybe she can get me to give up my happy endings for a couple hours just to read through some scary stuff. Yeah, I my taste in books is definitely all over the place. I really, like, um, my boyfriend asked me yesterday what my top five favorite books were of all time, and they were pretty much all over the place. I mean, there's, like, a theme, and that's that they're, like, super depressing, but <laughs> I think I get that from my dad. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, you absolutely do. Which is so funny to me, too, because, like, I think you and I, based on appearance, people would think I'm maybe the one who's more into that kind of stuff. But I love, like, rom com happy ending, fantasy, romance-type mm-hmm. deals. And then Maddie's like, I want to read about murder. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are Grumpy Sunshine. That would have been an alternative podcast name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, that is it for this week. Like we said, this is probably a longer episode, so if you watch till the end, thank you so much for watching. We really appreciate it. If you are watching on YouTube, please leave a thumbs up on our video and comment down below if you've read this book, if you have any books that you want us to read in the future, let us know. If you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify podcasts, please leave a review for us. It really helps a lot with the algorithm on podcasts. Podcasting is very um, saturated and there's like a lot going on. So if you really like this content, please let us know. It makes us, it makes our day. So that's all I have to say. Oh, and of course, um, if you're not following us on our social media, we have a TikTok and an Instagram where you can find us. They are both at the Woody Banter Book Club. So that is all I have for sure now. Well, um, on that note, thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time. Happy reading. Happy reading.